Welcome to I Run Radio. Coming up, a tough but rewarding day in Tokyo. I'm just going to run this race and enjoy the day. Um, every, volu- every water station, I high-fived every volunteer. So I figured if I'm not going to be happy, I'm going to make them happy. A runner enters the New York Marathon to honor her mother. She said to me, you know, Laurel, running's your thing. And if you can run for me, I would appreciate it. And so we got talking about what that could look like. And um, she and my dad actually had their honeymoon in New York City um, 47 years ago. And so she said, well, maybe you could run in New York. And the latest adventure for a runner who does the impossible. This is what exploration is all about, right? I mean, we're out there in places where potentially nobody's been in certain areas. And you're definitely not at that time of year. On this edition of I Run Radio, surviving and thriving in the difficult conditions at the Tokyo Marathon. An incredibly inspiring story about a woman who will be running the New York City Marathon in memory of her mother. And we'll welcome back Ray Zahab, the phenomenal adventure runner, to talk about his latest expedition and his future plans. Let's get things started now with the editor and general manager of I Run, Ben Kaplan. Hello, Ben. Hey there. How are you this morning? Uh, feeling great, thanks. Have you been running a lot lately? Has the nicer weather meant that you've been outside more? You've been tacking on extra kilometers, anything like that? All of that. Yeah. And yeah, it's totally transformed from something that's sort of like this pain endurance test <laughs> to something that's actually a pleasant thing to experience with friends. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that because the other day uh, I, I did about a 12K run and I ran basically from the radio station to my house. I got dropped off at work in the morning and ran home. And all morning when I was at the radio station, knowing that I was going to be running that afternoon, and it was a beautiful day, it was like 18 degrees yeah. and sunny, I was looking forward to it. You know, it wasn't, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't a, a must-do. It wasn't something on my to-do list. It wasn't a chore. It wasn't, you know, got to get the exercise in today, got to get on that treadmill, uh, you know, I've got to stick to the commitment. It was like, I'm looking forward to this today. I'm yeah. outside in the sunshine and the warmth. Although there is one hazard. Uh, that Actually, there's two. The first hazard that occurs to me when the weather gets nicer like this, and I have to be careful, and what occurred to me this week is the birds are back. Right. And one of the things, I run down by the, uh, down by the water, and there's a part where I have to turn up a path that goes under a lot of trees and there's red winged blackbirds up there. And I don't have a full head of hair. Uh, you know, you've got beautiful hair. You don't ever have to experience such indignities, but my head is something of a, a landing pattern, not a landing pattern, an attack zone. It's like there's a red X on the top of my, or on the, you know, right at the crest of my skull and they swoop, you know, when they're nesting and uh, it hasn't happened yet, but it does, along with the warmer conditions, comes attack birds. And and one really must be careful. So the warm weather, you know, you go out there and you're so excited and you throw your shorts on and you're ready to go. But a hat is, uh, you know, it's just a must-have. I must protect the noggin from attack birds. So, so. the birds go after your head because... <laughs> You don't have any yeah. hair there? Like what that's, that's you haven't heard this? Yeah. This no. is a this is a thing. This is a dangerous thing. Well maybe other uh listeners don't know this, so I implore anybody out there, uh I don't know, I forget the, the follically challenged 
you must indeed, if running under trees where red bird, red-winged blackbirds are in the vicinity, uh, you got to wear a hat or they will swoop in uh, right there, right on the bald spot. And just then you're walking around and to, uh, you know, insult to injury is then you've got these little red pecks. And it's, you can absolutely endure the blow, but it's just, you know, it's uncomfortable to see a bird swoop out of the sky with its beak and just peck on your Tucking your noggin, it's no, it's not good. But if you wear a hat, they really tend to leave you alone. And this is yeah. because you're perceived as some threat to them, or that's what? it. Yeah, okay. that's it. Wow, that's it. Or you know, you know, perhaps they're, you know, they are, they're afraid I'm getting too fast in my marathon time, and Maybe they want to protect uh, the world. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I can't. I don't can't put myself in the in the mind of these these evil creatures. But uh, yeah, so that was one thing that occurred to me this week. Is that oh put on your hat because it's, sure. it's it does it changes your uh you know you're running along enjoying yourself thinking warm thoughts about your friends and colleagues and and suddenly uh you know maybe they're confusing you with a bald eagle <laughs> that's the thing i don't know yeah. you know I, I i can't put my uh i can't put myself okay. in their in their shoes but uh but yeah so it's a, it's a great time for running uh you just have to be be dressed appropriately absolutely well, it, it, yeah. good lesson there. I, I'll, I'll <laughs> have to remember that. Hey, uh, we've got lose. we've got Ray Zahab on the show this week oh, from Impossible wow. to Possible, the incredible Great. adventure runner, back from another journey, uh, planning more. Uh, I always get excited when Ray is going to be on the show. Uh, he used to be on more regularly before he got so busy that, and was traveling so much that it just wasn't feasible anymore. But, uh, you know, here's a guy who takes on any challenge, prepares for it properly, diligently, does the training, does the logistics, takes people with him, inspires kids in schools, learns the lessons that come from running these crazy distances and shares them with everyone and uh, teaches us about our planet. And, you know, I'm just I'm excited to have Ray back on the show because he's so inspiring. And he's also ageless, you know, yeah. as he as he progresses uh, through his life, his journeys get no easier it, it seems to me they almost get m- more challenging as he ages so uh you know he really he's got many a lesson to share for sure i'll have to ask him if he's ever had a bird peck at his head while he's running now i bet he has i bet i'm he's sure he's seen every animal adventures yeah, yeah i bet you he has <laughs> yep <laughs> right on ben thank you good luck out there I don't forget it. to wear a hat and uh, <laughs> we'll talk to you next week thank you my friend That is Ben Kaplan, iRun's editor and general manager. Coming up next, dealing with the rain and cold in Tokyo. iRun Radio is brought to you in part by New Balance Canada. New Balance is a proud sponsor of the Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon, fitting elite Olympic marathoners like Reed Coolset and also making shoes that are ideal for you. Jane Spatiri was one of thousands of runners who completed the Tokyo Marathon on a rainy day last month. Jane, welcome back to iRun Radio. Thank you, Mark. Another another spring marathon, another conversation with you. <laughs> yeah, and another story to tell because, look, the yeah. conditions were not great at the Tokyo Marathon. Tell us all about it. Uh, so the Tokyo Marathon was on March 3rd this year, and it was kind of a not very nice day. Um, logistically, it's an easy race because the hotel, it starts right, down, right downtown, so it was maybe a five-minute start walk to the start, but it rained 
from beginning to end. Um, it wasn't Boston quality rain, but it was pretty wet and pretty dreary and um, not the most pleasant of days. I think it was probably my worst weather marathon that I've ran. And it's it's pretty hard to motivate yourself to get through when it's a day like that. Yeah. So how did yeah. you do? And, and were you able to, to, to kind of muddle through despite the conditions? Yes, definitely. You don't go that far and not muddle through one way or the other. Yeah. I know there's a pretty strict cutoff with Tokyo. They have checkpoints at various points throughout the race, and if you don't hit the checkpoint, they pull you off. I knew I would be okay for that. Um, at about the halfway mark, I knew that my goal was not attainable. I kind of had an optimistic goal for this marathon, um, and I knew it wasn't going to happen, so I said, you know what, I'm just going to run this race and enjoy the day. Um, every volu- every water station, I high-fived every volunteer, so I figured if I'm not going to be happy, I'm going to make them happy. So it was kind of a nice way to run the last 21 kilometers if you knew that you weren't going to to make a goal. Um, I have friends who were there cheering, so I saw them, which was very, very nice. I don't, I can't, I can't imagine that they found me in the crowd. They had no idea what I was wearing, but they saw me at about kilometer 25. So that was really very nice, you know, especially being so far from home and and seeing someone yeah. you know was was pretty special. And how would you describe the marathon itself? You mentioned it starts downtown. Is it is it mostly in the heart of Tokyo? Yeah, there's a lot of um, a lot of out and backs. So you see people who are running faster than you. You see people who are running slower than you. Um, it's a pretty flat course, which is you know which is nice. Um, but right in the center of things, you run by shrines, you run by temples, you run through the you know the the core of the city. So it was a very very nice course. And for those the, who had good days. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, running in Japan, running in a different culture. What was that yeah. like? Um, the, so I got there on Thursday, so I had a couple of days to sort of acclimatize to being there. Um, you know, I, I think a marathon, you know, especially one like this, you get people from all over the world. So it's, you know, very international. Um, the Japanese love their marathon. It was amazing. They were, it was such an awful day and there were so many people out cheering and so many people out volunteering. So, you know, that aspect of, of it, I really loved. And they really, really love the runners. Like, just happy, happy people on such a terrible, terrible day. <laughs> and one of the things that you have to keep in mind for a race like that, obviously, is the time difference, right? You need to yeah. get there and adapt. So was that a factor yeah. for you? I was worried about it, but it really wasn't. Um, I didn't have any jet lag getting over there, which I think my flights helped with that. I landed at 4 in the afternoon, so I had, you know, I just kept myself awake until it was time to go to bed, and then um, I was fine. Jet lag didn't bother me at all. That was one of my fears. And also my other worry was, you know, these big marathons just have so many people, and it's so, you know, in some of them, big runs, it's hard to get a pace. But the streets in Tokyo are so gigantic. The streets are all six, six, um, you know, six car widths wide. So the streets were huge, so there was never a bottleneck. You know, from the beginning, you could you could get your pace right from the start. Well, that which, sounds um, good. surprised me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For a big race like that. How many people were in it this year? I think Tokyo is 35 or 36,000. Yeah. So it's a, it's a big one. And yeah. and what was uh, the experience of visiting Japan like for you? Uh, so I went to Japan. I went to, on this marathon with Marathon Tours and Travel, the um, organization from Boston. So they kind of took care of us the first four or five days that I was there. We did the bus tour with them. I, I enjoyed it. It was a, It's a gigantic city, um, very new and very modern, but there's 
it's easy to turn a corner and be in old Tokyo. So, you know, Shambuya Scrabble is one of the busiest intersections in the world. You know, there's it's a crazy, crazy intersection. But literally 600 meters away, there's this little alley that's called Drunkard's Alley, where there's, there's these little shacks that literally seat six people. And there's probably 40 of these little bars that you can go in and you feel like you're back in time 40 years ago. So it was a nice mix of old and new. I really enjoyed the old Tokyo. I thought it was very interesting. The the new stuff was it was overwhelming. It was it's an overwhelming city. You know, you go to New York or Chicago and and they're familiar to you and you feel at home. But you go to a city like this and I've never been to Asia before and I just I felt so foreign. Um, I went to the top, top of Tokyo Tower one day just to get a view of the city, and I was looking out thinking, there's not one soul in this city of million people, millions of people who know me. I'm all by myself. It's a weird feeling. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, is interesting. My, didn't come with me. I, my Sherpa didn't come with me. I was alone. Right. And you met up with your husband later and continued to travel, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 We met on Thursday. So I had three days in Tokyo by myself. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, That's it was an adventure. Yeah, an and, adventure. and what about the experience of running a marathon in a different culture? Because, um, you know, I, I look at myself and, and most of us, most of the marathons we run are fairly close to home or they're in yeah. the United States or the UK. They're in they're yeah. in places that are familiar to us and yeah. where the language isn't an issue. So yeah. were there any challenges or, or differences there? Um, their cheers are different than what we would hear. <laughs> you know, I, I can't remember what they were, but I remember hearing, you know, the, you know, go faster, go faster in Japanese. Like, what are they saying? What is that word? Um, the, um, Pokeri Sweat is the name of the energy drink that you have. And of course, you can't buy that here. I ordered some from Amazon, but it didn't come on time. So, you know, those things you kind of have to, have to incorporate into it. So do I want to drink this new energy drink or do I want to just stick to water? And the other thing about Tokyo that causes people a lot of concern is that you're not allowed to bring your own water bottle. So you're not, you can't carry a water bottle. They confiscate your bottle at the start. Hmm. So, you know, even if you, a water bottle is kind of like a security blanket for me. I, I don't necessarily drink for that, but I like to have it. But no water bottles were allowed on the course. They're That's very, very strict about that. Yeah, mm. for security reasons, obviously. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, despite the weather, though, how would you rate the whole experience? Um, glad I did it. <laughs> Probably wouldn't do it again. Okay. It's a, it's a one-timer, that one, for sure. Yeah. You know, because it's so far, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit of a hit on the pocketbook to go that far. Um, really glad I had the opportunity to do it again, but it, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go back and do it again. You know, it's a bucket list. It's scratched sure. off and... Yeah, yeah, and, and winter marathons, uh, spring marathons, spring marathons are hard. I'm not a winter person. I yeah. did all my training on the treadmill this winter, so that was a whole other level of. <laughs> yeah, and I guess yeah. we can call this a winter marathon because it was in early March. It was before yeah. spring technically yeah. arrived, right? So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, not in fact only a couple of weeks after the Winterman Marathon here in Ottawa. As a matter of fact, yeah, that's so right. Still I did the very, half of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't see you. You ran that one too, but I didn't see you. Yeah, I don't know how it was that we didn't see each other. Uh, I know because we, you did four loops. I did four loops. You did eight loops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> never saw it was each a nice other. Day. Yeah. Now, what about? Uh, I assume, I assume that this is all part of your quest to complete all of the major marathons, the yes. world majors. Yeah. So, where do you stand on that? That was number five for me. Okay. I've only got one left. I got the hard one left. <laughs> Which is. I have to figure out how to get into Boston. Right. Okay. So <laughs> mm. you've done London, yeah, and you've done I did Berlin. London two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And so Boston is my—that's my next one to figure out. Um, 
I had a five-year plan that I was sticking to, but I was injured last year, so I wasn't able to run a fall marathon. Plus, they changed the times on me. So, yeah, yeah that's, they made it so, harder. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm gonna adjust the plan. Probably add another year to it. So between this fall and next fall, I'm hoping I can get well enough below 405 to qualify for Boston in 2022. Okay, the goal right now. Mm-hmm. 2022. Yeah, All yeah. Right. Well, it's good to um, plan ahead. Yeah, it's not, um, I'm not adverse to the fundraising option either. I mean, I know right. a lot of people are purists and like, no, you only want Boston if you qualify. But my outlook on that is that marathon training, and we've talked about this before, marathon training is such a selfish thing to do. You know, it takes me away from my family. It takes me away from my friends. And I wouldn't mind the last big marathon that I, I mean, on my, I don't know if I'll keep on running marathons after that, but my, my last major marathon be a good deed marathon. And, and run for a, a cause. I'm not adverse to that. I think that would be a nice way to finish this, you know, this very long marathon journey that I've been on. Uh, why not? Uh, I think that's a yeah. great way to look at it. And yeah. beyond that, uh, it's within the rules. There's there's no rule that says. In fact, they allow for this. You can run for a charity. This isn't like yeah. you're you're getting somebody else to run the qualifying race exactly. for you and then yeah. taking their number or anything yeah. like that. You, this is entirely within the rules. So you shouldn't yeah. feel bad about that yeah. at all. Yeah, so um, I, I still would like to qualify, but um, if I can get a fundraising bib, and that's the other thing, it's not easy to get a fundraising bib. So I've been kind of, you know, talking to people and putting some irons in the fire about that and thinking about how I would fundraise a lot of money. <laughs> I think it's uh, about 15,000 Canadian wow. to fundraise for Boston. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, yeah, that's a that's a tall order as well. So, yeah. you know, you'd yeah. be you'd be doing a lot of good with that. So, just yeah. just quickly, tell us uh, very uh, briefly about your experiences in London and Berlin. Uh, so, London was another spring marathon that wasn't a hundred percent fantastic. <laughs> I have a record of really bad spring marathon. Uh, London, I wish I had I wish I had trained harder because it was amazing. We had a perfect day. It was a beautiful run. Um, the people were amazing. I just I loved the London Marathon, but my training did not really afford right. me much to that. And Berlin was I did Berlin in 2014, and that was my second major. And I really loved Berlin too. But Berlin mm. was before before I had a run coach. So the last three or four marathons I've had a run coach, and it's really made a big difference in in how I've trained and how I've run. So. Berlin is one of that I would go back and do again. I did enjoy that one, and I like Berlin. It's, you know, it's easy to get to. The time change isn't that bad. So after I, you know, knock Boston off, I think I would try to get back into Berlin again. Well, Jane, congratulations. Yeah. Uh, I always you, say Mark. any day you run a marathon is a great day. It is. It's so true. You... I mean, there's no, there's no such thing as a bad marathon. No. They're all amazing. And it's, you know, the experience of doing this is just, it's, it's, it's magical, really. I'm fortunate enough to be able to do it. Right on. Well, congratulations, and thanks for being with us on the show. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. That's Jane Spatiri of Ottawa, who completed the Tokyo Marathon last month in Japan. Coming up next, an emotional run for a mother who died of brain cancer. I Run Radio is brought to you in part by New Balance Canada. New Balance is a proud sponsor of the Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon, fitting elite Olympic marathoners like Reed Coolset and also making shoes that are ideal for you. Laurel Adams will be running the New York City Marathon this fall in memory of her mother, who died last month, just a few months after being diagnosed with brain cancer. Laurel, welcome to I Run Radio. 
Thank you so much for having me. And I'm very sorry about the loss of your mom. Uh, tell us a little bit about your mom and, and how that has led you to decide to do the New York City Marathon. Sure. So um, my mom, her name was Kate. Um, she and I were extremely close. Um, I like to say that she was my mom growing up, but sort of turned into my best friend as I became an adult. Um, my mom was an incredibly healthy, active woman. Um, she and I were yoga buddies. She liked to do 5Ks with my dad and I. Um, she was always, you know, finding healthy foods and was just very in love with life um, in general, very positive um, and really encouraging all of us. And um, in October, she was, um, I guess in, at the end of September, she noticed she wasn't feeling 100%. She'd had a couple headaches, which we assumed were, was because um, she'd switched glasses. And then she was in yoga class, and she confused her left and right, which was something she's never done before. She came home to my dad and said, something's terribly wrong. We all thought she might have had a stroke. Um, she went to the hospital, and she was completely lucid at the time. And they did a couple tests and discovered that she actually had multiple brain tumors that were um, apparently growing fairly quickly. And so that's, um, that's really where um, we learned about what was going on. She was diagnosed shortly after that visit um, with brain cancer. She had um, GBM, which is glioblastoma multiforme, um, stage four, so the, the most dire stage. Um, and from that point on, we were given a very short amount of time with her. We were hoping for up to 13 months. We got about six months. Um, and from that point on, we really um, started looking at what was going on. And it was a really, a really tough few months for us. Um, so I guess really what happened was that my mom was still very much with us up until January. She was very lucid. She knew what was going on. And we had a lot of conversations, which I'm so grateful for. And one of the things that we talked about at the beginning was what we could do. And so she said to me, you know, Laurel, running's your thing. And if, if you can run for me, I would appreciate it. And so we got talking about what that could look like. And um, she and my dad actually had their honeymoon in New York City um, 47 years ago. And so she said, well, maybe you could run in New York. And it kind of blossomed from there. And it was something that she and I talked a lot about over the few months that she was still with us. And I promised her that I would run New York for her. And at the time, I was hoping that she would be there um, to cheer me on and so that I could give her the medals. So she won't get my medal in person, but I'm, I'm glad to know that her memory will be honored. Wow. What an incredible story. And, and look, uh, again, I'm very sorry for your loss. That all happened so quickly. Uh, I'm glad, though, that you had the time with your mom. I, I lost my dad to cancer almost 15 years ago, and, and uh, we knew what was going to happen. We had about a year. Uh, so you do cherish those moments. And uh, it's interesting because running was a big and continues to be a big part of my life today. But I was I was at that time training for my first marathon, and, and my dad was part of the story of that. So I can very much relate to, to what you're describing. Uh, so what will this marathon mean for you to be doing uh, the, the New York City Marathon? Again, you mentioned your parents got married there, uh, and you'll be raising money for the Brain Tumor Foundation. 
That's right. Well, first of all, I'm so sorry to hear about your dad. It's a, a club you never want to be yeah. in, right? Um, so what it means to me really is that my mom wanted to tell her story. She, she was a writer. She wrote a couple of books. She did a lot of speaking engagements. Um, she and my dad did that together. And she loved to tell stories, and she really was passionate about a lot of um, charities and giving back and, you know, keeping the world a, a good place. Um, so doing this really is to continue to tell her story. The thing that we learned about brain cancer is that one of the biggest issues right now is that nobody knows where it's coming from. There's no known cause. Um, there's no real way of telling most often till it's too late. So in my mom's case, she was healthy and active right until really she was at the final stages. And that's a fairly typical thing with brain cancer. So I guess the benefit of doing New York to me is that her story will continue. And what she wanted to do was, you know, make sure that other people didn't deal with this. And so I'm grateful that I can continue what, what she wanted. That's very powerful. So how did running become your thing? Tell me a little bit about how you got into it and, uh, and what you've done as a runner so far. Oh, I don't really know how it became my thing. I, what happened actually was that I was kind of stressed out about a lot of stuff in my life. It was, I'm a mom of two and one of my kids has special needs. And so that, that was stressful. And so I dreamt about running one time and I thought, I'm just going to try it. And I did. And at first it was, I was going to do a 5k and like most runners who build distance, then it was a 10k, then a half. Um, and then a few years ago, I, I ran my first marathon. So that's, uh, that's how it sort of became my thing. It was really a way to get rid of stress at first. And then as I started to run more and have had more time with it, what's sort of kept me going is my friendships and the people I run with. And I, I have to say, I'm pretty much always the slowest runner in a group of people, but that doesn't, that doesn't seem to matter. In fact, some of the people that I'm closest with are the people who have run slowly with me and, you know, done that journey with me. Yeah, that's uh, in, and uh, that's a very uh, effective way of putting it. Uh, there are so many people who are willing to run with you, and speed doesn't matter. And this is the kind of thing you don't realize until you run with a group of people how uh, how much you can share the journey. It's not uh, an individual sport; it is in one sense, but uh, there really is a very strong community of runners that you become part of, and that keeps you going, doesn't it? It does. Actually, the the funny thing is um, the last marathon I did was Chicago Marathon. Um, and it was the year, it was a couple of years ago and it was extremely hot. And um, the the hydration plan that I had meant to follow went out the window because I decided I needed lots of extra Gatorade on the course, which was the worst possible thing to do um, because I got quite sick halfway through and I ended up walking, speed walking, I'd like to say the last half of the Chicago Marathon. So I spent the whole time with people who were really kind of going my pace and we talked, we laughed, we encouraged each other and that's actually one of my, my best memories is, you know, getting to know all these people on the Chicago Marathon route that I would never, ever have anticipated getting to know. It's the people around are incredible. And you're going to have some of that support uh, during the race itself. There are friends who are going to join you, and, and your father is going to run with you as well? Yeah. So um, our team name is called um, KM for Kate, or Kilometers for Kate, because Kate's my mom's name. Um, so 
when my mom was diagnosed, I, I said to two of my closest running friends, um, you guys, my mom has been diagnosed with this, and the only thing that I can do at this point is, is run. And so they sort of helped me build the plan and um, sort of encouraged me to keep looking into it. And when I told them what I decided, that I was going to run for the Brain Tumor Foundation, they said I couldn't do it alone. Wow. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So um, one of my friends, Jen, is actually running the marathon with me and is fundraising, and she's raising money for the Brain Tumor Foundation, which is incredible. Um, my other friend, Kathy, is going to be running the 5K, but she's also volunteering at the marathon. She's run the New York Marathon before, and so she's really always wanted to be a volunteer, so we'll get to see her in that capacity, which is amazing, and she's been helping us with the logistics and helping us to fundraise. And then my dad, so he is a runner. He's an incredibly fast runner. He often wins 5Ks for his age group, and um, he's never done anything beyond 15K, which was when we did the Around the Bay Relay together. So um, he's always wanted to run a marathon, and he has the time to do it, and he really wants to do this for my mom. So that was kind of the first thing we, we talked about after she passed away. He said, I need to do this too. So um, he is proudly on our team, and uh, we're so thrilled to be doing it together. And he will be running his very first marathon in memory his of his wife. Very first marathon. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's that's incredible. Uh, so what will it mean to you? And uh, you must already be thinking about it on your on your long training runs as you ramp up for New York in the fall. Uh, yeah, um, can you picture what it's going to be like being on the course and and running this race in memory of your mom who you lost so quickly and so recently? Yeah, it's it's going to be hard. Um marathons in general are hard. Sure. Um, and knowing that there's this added element of emotion and feeling, it, it is going to be hard. Um, I'm not necessarily trying for my best time. I'm just really trying to do it to honor her. But, you know, even when I'm starting, so I took some time off when she was sick. So I feel like I'm starting at the beginning again. And I forgot how hard it was to even run 5k really. And so as I'm building, it's it's tough. And um, it makes me think, though, of what she went through and what her fight was. And, you know, even though it's painful and hard, it used to be that I think, oh, I'll get through it, I'll get through it. And it's, I guess my mindset has changed somewhat to say, I'm doing this for my mom and everything around me. It just, it's more worth the pain than, than I would have thought. Yeah. Well, I wish you the very best of luck, and uh, we're uh, we're going to follow your story and and uh, keep up with you as you train for New York and run New York uh, in the pages of Iron at Iron.ca and on our weekly radio show and podcast. So I hope we get the chance to talk again soon. Good luck with your training. Uh, good luck with uh, the emotional side of this. It's going to be challenging, but I hope rewarding for you as well, Laurel. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. That's Laurel Adams of Toronto, who will be running the New York City Marathon in November in memory of her mother, Kate. Coming up next, the latest adventure for Ray Zahab. I Run Radio is brought to you in part by New Balance Canada. New Balance is a proud sponsor of the Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon, fitting elite Olympic marathoners like Reed Coolset and also making shoes that are ideal for you. 
It's great to welcome back to I Run Radio, Ray Zahab, the incredible and inspiring adventure runner. Ray is going to tell us about his latest expedition and also his future plans, some new ventures he has embarked upon. Ray, thank you for joining us once again. Hey, how are you, Mark? Great, how are you? Great. What's shaking? We have so much to catch up on because it's uh, been do. a while since we talked we and... And we haven't been talking in a long time. Yeah, and I've been—I think I've been on the outs with the show or something. I don't <laughs> not know what at the all. Deal is. You've been traveling the world, and you've been doing one expedition after another. And you were—you uh, were recently in Russia, so we should hear all about that trip. Tell us about it. Well, I was—I uh, attempted a traverse of the um, Kamchatka Peninsula. So anybody that's our age and older, pretty much, will remember. Kemp Chaka from the board game Risk. Do you right. remember Risk when you were a kid? Absolutely. Right? I so still play Risk you, today <coughs> on my on my wow. iPad. Okay. There yeah. you go. The TMI. But you know, like, so <laughs> you know, when you when you know that if you get Kamchaka, then you you rule the world, right? I mean that's the way it goes. If you can take Kamchaka, then you end up you can win the game. So anyhow, okay. Kamchaka's been in my brain since I was a kid. So you know, I'm doing all these expeditions all these years and last year I ran uh, 1,850 kilometers across the Namibian desert. Very dangerous. Like, you know, there's some sketchy <laughs> times out there, but we got it done. And the reason I bring that up is because this time, as well prepared as I was, as good as our gear was, the first 17 days were a struggle, unsupported, self-contained. There was myself and Stefano. Weather conditions were not um, as they normally are. It was a lot warmer. They had a warmer winter to begin with. Then it got really cold, but by then... The little bit of ice that was on the rivers we had planned to travel on were insulated by a very thick coating of snow. Not unlike what we've had here, right? And so, although it was very cold when we were there, it was not cold enough to freeze those rivers up. So we ended up just slugging it through uh, really deep snow, over a meter deep. And um, Yeah, I saw some pictures of you... It's I, I crazy, saw, right? Yeah, it was pictures of you knee deep in snow as you're as you're carrying out this that's, this. Yeah, dude, that's knee deep with skis on. Right. Like, I mean, without the skis, you were up to your shoulders and beyond. Like, I mean, it's crazy. So, it it nonetheless, it, it it was incredibly difficult to do, right? And so we got over this final mountain pass um, that would basically lead us to the two thirds point of the expedition, and we always knew if we could get there over this mountain pass, which was totally sketchy and scary if we could get over this mountain pass it's not that it was all downhill to the end but we had another series of mountains to cross but it would not be as as difficult as that whole first you know section and that was kind of when we thought it was the first time we saw our team which was comprised of our photographer john and um some people that had been helping him out some local hunters and a mountaineering guide had been helping john out to get around in the three weeks that we had not seen him. And we were informed then by these hunters that it's like, hey, guys, those rivers are all wide open. Like, it's a crazy winter this year. So, you know, we, we did another couple of days, and then that was the end of the expedition pretty much. So it was a, it was a bummer, but, you know, uh, you can't help Mark when Mother Nature says no, you don't act foolishly. You don't put others at risk, right? And I knew after all these years of doing these things, if these guys are telling me this, I'm not going to be that guy that, says, well, I'm not listening to this. I'm going on right. anyhow. And then I get 30 kilometers up into a mountain range uh, where there's a bunch of open rivers. I mean, big rivers with tons of fast-moving water. 
and we're unable to cross, and then you got to call for helicopter rescue, and now you're risking other people's lives when I should have listened to the hunters in the first place. So it's kind of where things landed. So yeah, and I know you're now I'm refocused. You know, yeah, you're all about the lessons that you get from these kinds of experiences and from running in general, and and I know. In this case, uh, there are a couple of obvious lessons. One is that no matter how much you prepare, you might encounter circumstances you weren't expecting. And the other is that even though there's a lot of, of mythology and messaging around the idea of you can never quit, you always have to keep going and all of that, sometimes you do need to take a step back and say, actually, the smart thing to do here would be to wrap this up and, and give it a shot another time. Yeah, and you know, the reality is, you know, when you're, when you're, this is what exploration is all about, right? I mean, we're out there in places where definitely nobody's been in certain areas, and you're definitely not at that time of year. And, you know, you're really putting it all out there, and every expedition I do is, is that. It's exactly that. But I've been lucky, you know, I'm fortunate that I can get it done. Like last year in Namibia, we took some big but calculated risks. And you reach a point, as you say, where, you're not willing to put others at risk, and you really have to weigh everything from experience. And I think that's the one thing at 50 that I'm able to do a little bit better, which is assess the situation and not let ego take over and say, I have to go at all costs, but rather say, you know what? I've invested everything I have into this right now, but it's not, you are not going to overcome Mother Nature. I mean, that is just, you have to have respect for your environment, and it is what it is, and that's it. You know, so you come home, refocus, and I'm getting ready to cross Death Valley this uh, summer. You know, okay. So, so that's the next you know, plan is go. to is to run across Death Valley. Yeah. So you know that I did the north south. I did yeah. north south off road uh, from North Park boundary to South Park boundary about 250 kilometers. I did that in 2011 with an American guy, Will Lawson, ultra runner from down there. And this year we're going to go and we're going to try and go west to east. So we're crossing two separate mountain ranges right through the middle of the Badwater Basin. It's going to be pretty epic. So it's going to be a big one. So we'll and we'll attempt to do it virtually nonstop. So I, you know, stay tuned. Wow, sounds great. Yeah. Well, if anyone can do it, you can. I know that. Well, and I'll do my best. That's yeah. Sure. And um, now you have some other news as well because you're involved in a couple of new ventures you were telling me about, which sound really exciting. And and one of them is about giving people the opportunity to experience on a certain level the kinds of things that that you do, that the expeditions that you go on, the the adventures that you undertake. Well, it's it's yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. So so basically. What happened and where it came from over these past 30 expeditions, if you include my expeditions plus the expeditions of the Youth Ambassadors with the Impossible Possible Foundation, um, I always get these emails, right? Year after your last 15 years, I've been getting emails from people saying, hey, you know, I want to I want to go and do what you do. I want to, you know, I want to experience it. And I'm always, because you know, I believe that people are capable of some pretty amazing things. Yeah. If they're given a shot, if you really are willing to commit to a challenge, you could, you could do some amazing things. But I'm always thinking to myself, how can I safely do this? Like, I'm not going to take somebody into the middle of the Atacama Desert for 20 days in the middle of summer, which is when I crossed it, right? But it's known territory to me, and I know where the amazing spots are. And if you combine that sort of what we do on an ITP youth expedition, taking these youth ambassadors back to places I've been for a week at a time and immersing themselves in what it is that they do, I thought we can do a version of that for adults and give them an opportunity to go and do these things, like I said, that I'm doing in a you know, timeline. So obviously people have to work, they got lives, they got to, you know, so basically in these 10 days, door-to-door style 
trips where we go in the extreme of the environment. So this December, which is summer in the Atacama Desert, I'm taking a group and they're going to go and run. Uh, they're going to learn how to navigate through the desert multi-day um, and small group. Eight of us, we're just going to spend some time out in the desert, some amazing scenery, challenging ourselves in the hottest time of year. Sounds very cool. And and again, yeah. it's extending that experience and turning it into something manageable for somebody uh, who who has a life uh, that that in, uh, means they can't be training as much as you might be training or other ultra marathon runners might be training, and and still giving them a taste of that experience. Absolutely. I mean, there is definitely limit pushing. I mean, these are on the sort of outer edge of adventure travel, but everything is totally safe, you know. And I would encourage anybody. Who wants to check it out? It's, it's the website is capic1.com. So K A P I K the number one dot com, and they can by simply sending a message or connecting. They're they're going to get me on the other end, and, and I can answer questions. Okay, like right on. And the yeah. other thing we should talk about is uh, your running series that uh, that is coming up this summer. Lots of different uh, distances and events, and and you've been expanding it to add new features to it. So bring us up to date on that. Yeah, so, you know, 3beaversracing.com, so the number 3, beaversracing.com, there always seems to be a number in the stuff I do, but anyhow, so 3, there's because there's three of us that are partners in, in the race series, it's it's a series of trail races that accommodate from beginners uh, to advanced uh, runners, and we have from timed events in the trails uh, in Gatineau Park to a multi-day stage race. So there's something for everyone, and I would encourage people to go and check the website out if you want to um, learn more, we're also going to be this year adding a um, the first race of the season, which is called the Black Fly 3612-hour, 24-hour race. Um, details on the website. We're going to be adding a sort of trail running session where you can come and, and get tips from leaders in trail running on how to run downhill, for example, um, and not twist your ankle. So things like that, and that, that part of it will be free. That will be offered the day before the race begins. So lots of exciting stuff on the go, and details are, are on that website. And then lastly, we have another event, the I2P Run, which supports the Impossible to Possible organization and supports the youth-based expeditions. And that's all new this year. So new routes, new courses, and I'm not sure if the website is up yet, but the Facebook page is, is pumping information out. All right. I don't know how you do it. You've got so much on the go, and to do all of that and be training at the same time for some things that you're about to take on, like running across Death Valley. Well, look who's talking. Uh, well, look who's talking. You're, like, how many marathons have you ran this year already? 60? Uh, one. One so wow, far. okay. Yeah. Uh, you know. All right. Well, great. Ray, it's great to talk to you again, and uh, always great to connect and, and hear amazing things that you're doing and the the uh, the way that you're inspiring young people uh, and the way that you're uh, introducing so many different experiences to so many different people. Thank you very much for being with us once again. Thanks for having me, buddy. We'll catch up soon. Adventure runner and iRun contributor Ray Zahab. Coming up in the weeks ahead on iRun Radio, the author of a new book that explores why some people run Ultra marathons, why marathons aren't enough. Plus, the runners who go the extra mile to help others get across the finish line. I hope you can join us next week on iRun Radio. Thank you for listening. Have a great week.